Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! Now Skype, I don't want to turn on my video so Megan Bordeaux can see me. <laughs> oh no, please no. I haven't showered in like three days, so. <laughs> Quarantine! I get it. Listen. That's... Listen, there's there is beauty in uh, quarantining so you can go see your family. And it's the fact that I don't have to shower or shave. And let me tell you, I am just sitting in my own filth and hair. And it's wonderful. Yeah, I feel connected to my roots, really. <laughs> anyway, what's new? It's been so long. I know. Mm -hmm. it's 20 seconds. I know. The joys so of recording them back to back. I mean, the sun is going down. It's a pretty sunset, so there's that. Now that all the trees have uh, shed their leaves, I can see the uh, skyline from my, my bedroom window. That's kind of nice, too. Oh, that's cool. Um, anyway, hi, y'all. Welcome. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. This is the Feeny Call. I'm Megan. I'm Skyler. <laughs> Today, it is Season 4, Episode 17. It is Part 2 of the two-parter, A Long Walk to Pittsburgh. And it is. It is a long walk to Pittsburgh. Yeah, but it's like a four-hour drive. But could you... Oh, that's... Listen. A four-hour drive means that it's even a, a longer walk. I wonder how long it is. Let's find out. Why walk don't we... from Philly to Pittsburgh? Yeah, we're going to find out. So it's a four-and-a-half-hour drive. It would take you 99 hours to walk from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh. Mm. All right. It's a long walk. That is a long walk. They're, they're not kidding. There's <laughs> a, a long walk to Pittsburgh. Lengthy, but you know what? You could do it. <laughs> yep. you. I, it's possible. Listen, on public transit, it's only six and a half hours on a Greyhound. Amazing. It's not actually that bad. Six you and a half hours? You could bike from Philly to Pittsburgh in 32 hours. <laughs> There's. <laughs> that's a lot for a weekend, but for just like a weekend trip, that's a little bit much. But, sure. you know. Doesn't leave you a lot of time to hang out. No, not really. Yeah. Okay, fine. It's a long walk. I get it. <laughs> we concede. It is indeed a long walk. <laughs> How long is it? <laughs> I just told you. Oh, so, man. What's our fun my, fact? Hit us yeah, my fun I think fact I know what it is, but I want you to I'm say it. I'm sure you do. Well, I actually have two fun facts Ooh. today. And the first one is, I think, the one that you were anticipating. So Topanga talks about her Aunt Prudence. She says about her Aunt Prudence, my aunt has never been in love, never been married, wouldn't even know who Romeo and Juliet are. Well, of course, Olivia Hussey was probably best known for her 1968 portrayal of Juliet mm -hmm. in Zeffirelli's adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, which mm -hmm. I'm sure if you went to high school, you've seen it. You know it. The guy looks exactly like Zac Efron. It's he weird. Does. He does look like Zephron. She, yeah, that's uh, that's her. That is and her. And she speaks still like a Shakespearean character a little bit. Yeah, her, My, her voice is strange. It is. She just, I, it almost sounded like she was a, a European trying to speak like an American. Like, yeah. that's how she thinks that we speak. And I was yeah. like, interesting choice. Yeah, I always thought but, she had a weird voice in this. Mm -hmm. My second fun fact is Corey and Topanga talk about like making adult decisions, you know, her choice to run away, whatever. So the age of consent in Pennsylvania is actually 16, which means that by law, they can make adult decisions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's a stretch, but listen, according to the law in Pennsylvania, I, I'm going to stand by a lot in California, but I'm going to stand by what Alan later says in a later episode where he's like, you want to be a grown up and make adult decisions. Then there are adult consequences, right? Or whatever truly. You know what I'm talking about where he slaps so truly. The yep. when they're trying to buy the house, I think. Right. Yes. I think, I think so. Was, or maybe it's when they're getting married. I don't it's remember. It's one of the two. We'll get there. Uh, but I can hear it in my mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying it's smart. I'm just saying legally it's it's chill. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I suppose. Yeah. A lot of other things are legally chill and not legally chill in this country that don't make a lot of sense to me okay. either. So Ain't that the truth? You go ahead. You're on the recap. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Okay, so Corey and Sean go, it's, they're on this date with these two girls. Corey is clearly not over Topanga, even though Sean is pushing him to get over her. So then Corey is still uh, fighting with his parents about her leaving. She shows up at their back door and decides that she's staying. And uh, Amy and Alan are like, absolutely not. We're, they call her aunt. Her aunt comes together and send her back to Pittsburgh. They tell uh, her parents how much they, his parents, how much they love each other. They convince, they and Prue convince uh, Topanga's parents to let her stay. And Feeney tells them that they're in love. i had like two seconds and i was like what do i say all right right. that's That's pretty much what happens in this episode a lot of mushy gushy in this episode oh so true a lot of ben savage his serious acting which i know that you don't really care for you know it's not my favorite too much serious been two episodes of no jokes from ben savage not my favorite um what did you learn pretty much what Feeney says when you have love cherish it you know don't squander it when you got a good thing we had a good thing going (laughs) yeah I think it's uh I think that Corey and Topanga kind of regardless of what what we have said before about teenagers being in love and you know their brains not being fully developed x y and z regardless of what we've said before that Corey and Topanga there's a combination of like, yes, they truly care for each other. And they, I think they do love each other and they want to be together. But also of course it's horribly irresponsible of Topanga's parents to pull her out in the spring semester of her junior year. So I think it's not necessarily like a true love conquers. It's not at all like a true love conquers all kind of situation. But I think that because she has been given the second chance to come back to Philadelphia, they need to, be grateful for that fact and cherish the love that they have for one another. And even extending to like cherishing the love that you have for your family, because Corey learned something about Amy in this episode that she has faith in love and, and he was getting real upset with her for a while. And, and then it turns out that she, you know, she believes in them as well. Yeah. I think the idea of right to, to have faith in love, I'm not going to say to have faith that things will work out. I don't, I don't love that expression. Amy tries to put up, Amy tries to put up this idea that like things happen for a reason, which I've never loved. Even when I was like a practicing Catholic, I hated the idea that like things happen for a reason and God has a plan. I always thought that was like a bullshit cop out way to try to ease 
a person suffering and for some reason things happen for a reason bothers me more than like shit happens uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like shit happens i'm like yeah it does you're right but things happen for a reason always bother me i think it's because things happen for a reason tries to imply that like when things happen that are out of our hands and hurt us it isn't it is upon us to rise above and find the good mm-hmm. or like find the reason yeah. as opposed to being like no sometimes shit happens yeah. and it's shit not happens. good shit and, or i should say life around you at least will persist and it is up mm-hmm. to you to decide how you are going to continue to like move through that shit happens feels like acceptance there's a plan feels like it's an open end and you are responsible for finding your own blah 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 and meaning and x y and z and and shit happens is like yeah it happens i've accepted it and you know what life keeps going we move on right shit happens implies that you are going to act in some way you are going to take some sort of action in response to the shit happening Mm -hmm. whereas things happen for a reason does not compel you to act in any way it simply says like well this happened for some reason shrug yeah and it's up to you to figure it out even if the situation is no longer pertinent in your life like there's no you don't have to find the reason you just need to know that like shit happened and it's up to you to to act in response to it um so which comes down to me for this idea of having having faith in love which Mm -hmm. alan talks a lot about you know if you have faith in your love then when shit happens that should remain some sort of steady anchor for you if you truly do have that faith in it as a place to go when the shit happens Mm -hmm. (laughs) um said shit happens so many times Ducky, stop it. Ducky's like, I know it. It's happening right now. <laughs> paying attention to me. Truly. So, you know, it, I think for me, what I learned in this episode had a lot to do with finding something you can hold on to and believe in and using it to anchor you and motivate you to action in response to something happening, mm-hmm. which they sum up as like having faith in love. Yeah. Gotta tie a nice bow on it. It's a 90s sitcom. It is, isn't it? This episode to me, I feel like I can't, I mean, I could speak more to um, what we talked about last week, but a lot of the same things ring true in this episode that did last week in that I uh, I think Sean is a dick, for push, especially for pushing Corey at the beginning to go out on this date with the geese from the Aristocats. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> am I wrong? They sound like the geese from the Aristocats. The geese from the Aristocats. What a specific ass reference, you know. <laughs> it's just a squeaky one. Sounds like how they laugh. You know what I'm saying? You know. I mean, when- listen, I have my own issues with TV, like Disney sitcom writers and their belief that every average white boy's kink is British twins. Because <laughs> it comes up in too many Disney and ABC sitcoms. Yep. Oh, yeah. I just don't know why that's... Like, if I'm a television writer, I'm, I'm convinced, apparently, that that's every 16-year-old middle-class white boy's kink is 
blonde British twins. <laughs> yep, a British twin, apparently. Or just uh, a British blonde. <laughs> uh, yeah, the geese from the Aristocats. God. So, Sean is still a dick. Yes, that's and... fucked up with him pushing him to go on that date with them. Because it's only been a week, right? That's what yeah. we're... But that's the indication. If it had been, if it was like three months later, yep. fine, push him to go on a date. I'm about that. But yeah. a week later, come on. <laughs> well, especially, it'd be one thing if they were like, we're going to go out to dinner and we're going to go see a movie and that's going to be our date and it's going to be great. But no, Sean invites him a week after his girlfriend leaves to come over and make out in front of him with this person that he just met. And she, she is great. She is wonderful. She sits down. She's like, we can kiss if you want. We don't have to. Well, tell me what's on your mind. She is great. The other one, the other one sounds like the geese from the Aristocats. But the <laughs> one that is with Corey is she kind of, she, she tickles me a little bit, especially when she's like, would you mind it very much if I cried my eyes out? And he's like, no, I'm going to, I'll join you. And they just start crying together. Mm-hmm. That kind of, that got me. That tickled yeah. me. Yeah, I Sean is still a dick. Alan still does better than Amy in this episode. Oh yeah, I I agree with basically all of Alan's moves through this whole thing. I agree when Topanga arrives and and says that like she ran away and that her parents don't know she's there, and that's the point when he says now it got serious. I 100% agree that is the point at which it gets serious in my. <laughs> And sure. at which that is the point at which I, as a parent who wants my kids to be able to fall on their face on their own, where I then have to get involved, if for nothing else than the possible legal ramifications. Yeah, I do. So I'm going to circle back because Hillary did ask us a question about this episode. So I'll go ahead and play that. Hello, I just thought of a question for Long Walk to Pittsburgh. It's really been bothering me basically my whole life. When Topanga comes back, And they're talking about why she ran away, like with the Matthews and stuff. Topanga goes, well, I ran away to Corey. And then Alan says, okay, it just got serious now. And then, you know, it gets like progressively more, I don't know, in my opinion, overly dramatic when they call her parents and like, I get why, but it's just how it's presented. So my question is, why is it such a big deal that she ran away to Corey? Like, Obviously, she ran away to Corey. She didn't just go back to Philadelphia, like, for a cheesesteak. Like, I don't, like, am I just that dumb? I don't understand this. You just mentioned Alan talking about this is the moment where it gets serious. But why is it specifically the line, do you think, I'm here to see Corey, that makes it serious? Do you think that was an overarching thing? Or do you think that was specifically, like... I'm here to see Corey. And he's like, oh, okay. So you're not, you're not here for any other reason than this, then this is a problem. No, I don't think that it's about that specific line. I think it is just that that line happens. But what Alan is saying got serious is that like, she has now run away from her home is, is railing against her parents all in defiance of everything for love of our son. And, and at this point now, your teenage emotions are resulting in dangerous, reckless decisions that, affect people basically beyond just yourselves and and i can't like sit by that anymore but they Uh, already knew that she had run away from home and that her parents didn't know that she was there so what about this specific like i'm here to see Corey makes ups the ante a little bit i i don't know i think it's a processing thing i i think it's just like a time of a time spent processing i don't think it's about that line so specifically in my opinion or do you do you feel differently? No, I 
think I feel the same way. It feels uh, it feels overarching as opposed to like I'm specifically say- saying this in regard to what you said. But at the same time, they could have been under the impression that like, oh, she's thought this out. She's staying with a relative. She has she's seeing something like she's seeing maybe her aunt or something while she's in town. It's it's not just to see Corey. It's that she just happens to be she ran away to for a bigger purpose, I guess. And then as soon as they find out that it's just to see Corey, they're like, okay, all right, let's, we need to, we need to dial back a little bit and take this into consideration. I'm, I, I don't know. I, I could see it honestly going either way, but it's just, it is a very interesting line. It's a very interesting script choice to have that be the line that pushes Alan to say, okay, this just got serious. Like, that feels like an interesting script choice. Well, I mean, it, again, it then puts the Matthews family in strange legal waters should anything happen. Yeah, that's true. In that the only reason is the relation to this boy. And if anything goes awry, you know, I just, I don't know. There's... I, I agree with the timing of things. You know, it's a matter of he's hearing, he's processing, he gets all the all the information he needs, and he's like, yep, all right, cool, this is too much now. Yeah. yeah. And I think Alan's offer to be like, hey, I got to go talk to some folks. Why don't I take you to Pittsburgh? You can hang out. I'll do my thing. Well, then we'll go home. Rock on. That's fucking solid. All yeah. right? <laughs> That's an A-plus yeah. job right there. It's like it is. He, he is simultaneously making an effort to put a Band-Aid on Corey's scraped knee without putting him in the emergency room over it, you know? Sure. You know, this idea that's like, hey, listen, I, we can make this work a little bit if I can help out, I guess, whatever you want to do. If you don't, that's fine. It's just it, it, the casualness of it and the, like, low-pressureness of it and the openness of it is so good, so excellently done. Mm-hmm. So that's that on that. That's that on that. <laughs> um, I, I'm irked by Corey's accusatory tone towards Topanga and whatever and you know whatever balls she may have dropped in this first week of their uh, separation. Yeah, it bothers me. And then again, obviously they they play it for last, where Sean walks in and is like, "They want to see us again," and ha ha ha. And then they both are like, I don't care. I love you. But I'm like, man, this motherfucker was like genuinely upset. He was bitching to his parents about how you weren't calling or doing the work. And mm-hmm. meanwhile, now he's not going to be up front and be like, oh, yeah, I agreed to this thing. <laughs> like, yeah. And he I mean, granted, I'm sure that she whatever she did, she she did of her own accord. And Sean was the person who pushed Corey to go on this date. Uh-huh. But still, he was not. Yeah, he was like all huffy and upset because, yeah, yeah she didn't. And man. she's the one who like, she's the one who went to see him, who drove this four and a half hours to go see him. And yeah, it just feels a little hypocritical. But I mean, there are quite a few things that Corey does that feel a little hypocritical. Uh-huh. But, you know, that's just my humble opinion. I just want to, I'm going to make, this is probably going to be a little unpopular opinion. I despise Corey's statement that we've been together for 16 years and I despise anyone who accepts that statement. Yeah. I think it's horseshit. I I think it's, 
it's just complete and utter horseshit. Uh, and I think anyone that acquiesces to that as a responsible idea of their relationship is enabling a fantasy. It is a wildly unrealistic imagined circumstance of their relationship. What that what that tells me is that Corey in his relationship to Topanga is not grounded in any way. It is all fantastical and above all else to him. Mm-hmm. And it's just so ungrounded. Even when he sets it all up, he's like, yeah, we were babies and we were two. And then when I was six, I, you know, and he says the lost years, right? From six to yeah. 13, which is maybe a decent joke. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, then you don't, if, if I'm going to buy into your fantasy, you don't get to count those seven years. Yes. <laughs> Okay, by your own standards, those seven years don't count. So at best, I will give you, like, within your fantasy, I will give you the last three years from 13 to 16, and I will give you from zero to six, giving you a total of nine. But I'm not really going to give you zero to six, because I don't remember shit from before I was five. (laughs) Right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure that there these have been stories that have been told to That's them. The thing. It's all stories and pictures. Any memory you have before the age of five or four is a fabricated memory based on a story you've heard or a picture you've seen. And your mind has eventually can like turned it into a memory for you because that's how we do stories in our yeah. lives. But it's not a real memory you actually have from those no. events. Maybe one or two, but largely and speaking, they're all fabricated. I'll give him... Like, I'll give him that they were best friends. If they truly lived around the corner from each other, then I'm sure that they were, like, the two neighborhood kids who, like, did stuff together and took walks together and whatever. And probably Topanga was Corey's first crush. But that doesn't count as years of a relationship. No, fuck no. Like, we were best friends and we grew up together and we were, I had a crush on her, but it wasn't until, and even so, even after the age of 13, they still weren't really like boyfriend and girlfriend. They had feelings for each other. That was obvious to us mm-hmm. as an audience. But again, the, the, it's such a, even as Topanga, I would probably rebel against the statement that we had been together for 16 years because they broke up and got back together at one point. All mm-hmm. those years that she was exiled from his life don't mm-hmm. count and anything before that like i would i'm very surprised that she doesn't say something but they're just really trying to they're trying to prove to us that they are really in love even though they are teenagers and i get that and i still think that they really love each other but we don't need all this extra exposition to prove that because it feels like it's trying too hard and forcing a narrative on us that we did not see as an audience in the first season well, and even force- partially the second season it's a wildly forced narrative. And additionally, let me let me say, like, I'm not going to I'm shitting all over this because it's it's unnecessary. Like you said, they can be in love. That's yes. fine. I'm actually like I, I will support and believe that these 16 year olds are in love with each other. Yes. But I don't need you to tell me that it's that it's a love that burns as as long as they've been alive. Yeah. And that, that's the only reason it's an exceptional love. You know, I fell in love. I'm I'm going to marry Sarah in a yeah. couple months. And her and I, the first time we told each other we loved each other, we had been seeing each other for like three months. Yeah. Okay. Like you don't, it's not about how long you've been with somebody to no. know that that's a love that runs deep. Certainly no. time can deepen ties. I'm not. 
oh, going absolutely. to doubt that and that your love will ideally grow over time, sure. though it could go the other One way. One would hope. <laughs> uh, in the best of circumstances, it grows over time, but right. it is certainly not predicated on time. Their argument for me here, I'm like, I don't, I don't need all this. You can just tell me that like you love her. Yes. Right. Like you don't have to convince me because you've been in, no. in love since you were in diapers or whatever. Like, because yeah. that's horseshit to me. That yes. makes it less real because now I feel like the only reason you believe it is because of this grand fabricated fantasy you've created and not that you just have these feelings and feel them to be real. Yes. Yeah. It, he's spun this, he's spun this kind of false narrative for himself that is giving him what he thinks is ground to stand on for him to say, we belong together. Our relationship is forever. All these things. I am more than okay with you telling me that she was your first crush and you've had feelings for her since you were four. But like, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's, that's the extent of what I accept from your childhood together is that you had a crush on her. She was your first crush. She was your first kiss. Great. Then, then you developed into a love that you now have. Period. That's it. That's what I'll take. <laughs> I don't need, yeah, I don't need 16 years. That's not, mm-hmm. it's unnecessary. Yep. So. It bugs me. Bugs me so much. That's, and, yeah. and then, and obviously the narrative changes over the course of the series too, which oh, yes. gets even more annoying. You know, that's, that's an aggravating thing, right? Because eventually, <laughs> eventually it's about the, the, he's on top of the jungle gym and won't get oh, down. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. like when he falls in love later. But then there's also something about the swings, maybe, right? I don't know. I feel something... like they change it like three times. But there's the jungle gym yeah. later. Mm, the swings. I'm trying to think of the Sean instance, how he and Sean became friends, or what that. Oh, flash they're, meant. they're yeah. There's the swings there for. I don't know. Whatever it is, it all changes, and it's all too much. Just yeah. don't need it. I you agree. Don't have, you don't have to have all of that. It makes it less real for me when you build it all on that so mm-hmm. it like in that instance i as the adult in the room would be like oh my god shut up <laughs> <laughs> that's my immediate response is like now it's too much okay like this you're trying too hard yeah. to justify I, your love <laughs> and i appreciate the fact that topanga does say something it's not just Corey makes a speech and then it's over like topanga also makes a little bit of a proclamation and i appreciate yeah. that because that that gives it a little more validation for me than just Corey spouting off his romanticized version of their past. But well, I just, I like what she says more. Hers, hers holds more weight to me than his does and makes it feel a little more real. And I think that's what kind of softens Amy and specifically Amy, Amy Uh and Alan, but specifically Amy, because it was, it's hard to listen to Corey kind of go off for a little bit. Because Amy, Amy already has her mind set at this point. And then to hear Corey elaborate on what he was already saying is not going to do anything to further convince her. And so Topanga brings it back. She brings it home. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Topanga's is better. Yep. Ultimately, the resolution here is a good one, right? In that yeah. it's, I, I would have been so aggravated if the resolution was like Topanga's gonna move in. <laughs> to yes, that. that would have been too much. They do that. Uh, 
They do a lot of that in like Disney Channel shows as well. Mm-hmm. The best friend moving in with the main character because their parents moved or they were relocated or whatever. Yeah. Blah blah Something blah. Like that. Right. That. Yeah. So I'm glad that's not the solution that comes about. The solution that we arrive at is a is a good one. I think that I'm glad that Prue Prudence and Prue honestly brings everything she brings to the table in just the right way. Her her take on all of it is excellent. And when she's like, well, I don't condone the outrageously, whatever she says, uh, emotional driven like circumstances of these events. She's like, I also think that it's a pretty shitty thing to yeah. and irresponsible to, you know, uproot to bang his life like this at this moment in time. I think that like that response is like, yeah, listen, hey, I'm going to do what's right for Topanga. I think y'all are in a little too deep and should step back a minute and look at it. But, you know, hear it, hear it. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm with Prue. Okay. Yeah, she's, I agree. I she's in the right, right boat here. She's like, listen, you two 16-year-olds may be feeling these things. And their 16-year-old feelings take a long, hard look at them. Also, yeah. you can stay because you should because you're 16. <laughs> like, yeah. You I know, mean, I both, think both things can be true. Again, we can hold two truths at once here, people. It's not all black and white. Yes. Anyway, I definitely, I think she brings the most perspective into this entire thing because Alan and Amy are biased, of course, because they love their son and they love Topanga and they've, you know, known both of them their whole lives. And Feeney is biased because he's... He loves them too, and has always held them in very high regard. And he's a love sucker too. I know he's just a sweetie. <laughs> so I think Prue brings the most perspective into this situation, and mm-hmm. she may be a little jaded and hardened by life and the world and being alone for so long. But it will hopefully give Topanga round Topanga's character out a little bit more and give her a little more perspective than just I'm in love and I should be with this person and blah, blah, blah. So I, yeah, I really appreciate everything that Prue brings, not just to this episode, but I think to Topanga's character in future episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's an elephant in the room, which must be addressed. And that is Corey's ignorance of Romeo and Juliet. Oh my God. After, after they did it in sixth grade. It is the season premiere (laughs) or the series premiere is predicated on their study of Romeo and Juliet in which they are involved doing the scene in class where they take each other or where they take their own lives. Like it is. And when I was, I said this to Sarah and she was like, I don't know. I mean, if I were to study that in sixth grade, I guess I could have forgotten. And I'm like, no, they would remember that part. He yeah, could, when you do he could have forgotten the rest of the play, but he would remember that the play ends with these two, like with with how much him and Feeney thought about it in that fucking yeah. episode. He would remember that the play ends with them killing themselves. Yeah. <laughs> that and wouldn't also, be news to him. Romeo and Juliet is probably the most called out Shakespeare show, like most referenced Shakespeare show of all time. Maybe Hamlet and Macbeth more or equal. But Romeo and Juliet, come on, come on! You don't know how that ends. Come on! I, I would Everyone say that knows. every every Westerner, yeah. <laughs> English-speaking person, could tell you that Romeo and Juliet ends with both of them dead. 
they may not be able to tell you anything else, but if I went around and took a big poll and said, hey, at the end of Romeo and Juliet, are they alive or dead? Everyone. I think everyone, everyone who has been through ninth grade would yes. tell you they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> and more so than I could, like, there's no other question of a Shakespearean play about which I could feel more certain. That's fair. So that's, that's a cheap joke. And I get it. It's all because we've got Juliet, the actress, right? And we've got... Mm-hmm. all the you know I, I understand and it plays for laughs it's a good time but i'm also like that was how this show began <laughs> yes, that is where we started, where we started. And now that we're was square one <laughs> yeah i agree so, well who's your mvp my mvp is alan god damn it mm-hmm. <laughs> again alan he is a two. two-parter alan mvp because he is measured in his response to everything. He is listening intently to these Mm -hmm. teenagers as if they are fully formed humans. And I don't mean that as a slight. I mean, he is just giving them the room and respect they deserve to feel their feelings and talk about them. And he is taking it in and responding uh, as a person who has clearly heard it, whereas Amy is not listening to them at all. Um, It is an immediate dismission. Dismissal. Dismissal. (laughs) (laughs) He listens. He responds. He does the damn thing. He communicates. Yeah. What about you? Mine, I'm kind of, I thought I had, I thought I was going to pick Alan, but the more we talk about it, I'm like, is it Prudence? Am I about to pick Aunt Prudence (laughs) as the MVP? Because like, She does offer the most measured response. Yeah, she does. Well, she just gives it a a well-roundedness and an unbiasedness that I think is necessary in this situation. And also she's providing Topanga with a place to live. That's that's not an easy undertaking. It's true. She is maybe the most valuable player. (laughs) Yeah, it's easier than taking in Sean, obviously, because he's a flight risk. But Topanga (laughs) is still a teenage girl with who is reliant financially and otherwise on an adult. And so it's, uh, that's quite an undertaking. And so I think I might have to give it to Prue. Oh yeah. There we go. I like it. Cool. I feel good about that. All right. Good. You got anything? I don't think so. There's nothing else. I didn't really take notes that much for this episode because everything that from last episode kind of bled into this episode, there wasn't feel differently about any of the characters. Mm-hmm. in this one so mm-hmm. except yeah. Feeney is a lot more clear this time which I really appreciated he's a lot more straightforward and his little scene with Prue is great good, good answer love it answer is fun, yes um all right well cool that's it happy new year y'all as it approaches happy again stay safe with your celebrations be measured um, good luck uh don't set any resolutions guys don't don't no one what is it I let there's a meme right now it's like don't no one say 2021 is going to be their year. We're going to walk in real quietly. We're not going to touch <laughs> anything. We're going to keep our hands at our side. Yep. I thought you were going to say, don't set any fires this year, guys. And I was going to be like, I mean, what? Be, you know, be decent to each other this year. Yes, that's the, that's, the, <laughs> that's your resolution. Be decent. Be decent uh, and patient. And yeah, that's yeah. Just, just, and cautious. Oh my God. Be smart, be kind, be safe. Great. And check us out on all the things. Uh-huh. <laughs> Transitions. Right. Yeah. We're coming up. It'll be, we're, we're almost going to be at our two-year anniversary. 
That's true. Yeah, we are. We're when about we there. In 2019, so we're coming April, up on... yeah. April 30th was, I think, our first premiere. So we're coming up on two years, you guys, and we're going to be in season five. Whoop, whoop. I can't believe we've been doing this for almost two years. I know. Crazy, right? Wild. We're on the things. Check us out. Feeny Call Podcast on Instagram. At Feeny Call, Twitter, Facebook. You can leave us a voicemail. There's a link in the description and on our Instagram page. And also... We have an email, feenycallpodcast at gmail.com. If you wouldn't mind going to Apple Podcasts, if that's where you listen and giving us a rate and a review, that would be excellent. We would very much appreciate and love that because it really helps us out. Helps spread the word so more people know about the Feeny Call. So, yeah. Thanks, y'all. Class dismissed.